Hello and welcome to the Red Review podcast. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, mate. How are we doing? Good. I'm good. I've just noticed just as we started recording, I'm on a squeaky chair. I don't know if you can hear that in the background. Only just, yeah. This is my final week of working on a dining room chair. Mace has come through. There is a refurbished office chair on its way via Wagstaff arriving Friday and I'm very excited. Oh, very good. Just in time for me going back into the office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Enjoying the summer. Been quite nice. Not this week. This will go out in a couple of weeks' time, but as of recording, it's, uh, I don't know, is it different for you? It's rainy, windy and horrible here. It was windy yesterday, but no, today's been quite nice, actually. Nice dog walk this morning. I'm a bit concerned. Of course, we can see each other, but the listeners won't be able to yet, will they? But I'm a little bit pink. (laughs) I I just thought you'd, uh, the contrast is wrong on my phone. No, or or I've been enjoying far too much, even more alcohol than I should be. But no, uh, no, I think it's a little, it's a little bit catching the sun. I'm now looking, listeners, looking. (laughs) Yeah, he does look a bit red. A little bit pink, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're having to retrain Dash, so he's not getting as many walks at the moment. He's getting short walks outside of like, you know, first thing in the morning or last thing at night. I think with me being at home, he's become a bit needy and a bit kind of protective over us. He's back on training now to get him kind of settled. He's actually asleep behind me. I don't know if I move, you can see him, Jeremy, but he's zonked out behind me. But yeah, he's um, he's been a bit naughty recently because I think he's a bit unsettled with uh, me being here all the time and Kate being here all the time. So yeah. Less dog walking. We were going for nice long walks in the warm and the heat, but it's a bit shits now. So anyway, what are we talking about today? We are talking about marketing. Yes, which when you first sent the message through that we should talk about marketing, I wondered why on earth we'd do that because we're not marketeers. <laughs> but actually, yes, when we've gone through the show notes and things, it's shaping up to be a pretty decent episode, actually, because it's an interesting topic at the moment, isn't it? In how yeah. We- I've run a marketing team previously. I ran the marketing team at PIX for two, three years. So I've got my hands dirty on SEO and event management and golf days and all the other good stuff. That yeah, of course. Comes. Yeah, but we were going to come at more from the views of people who get marketed to, I suppose. But actually, in reality, you and Jules have to market the big toolkit. So there's probably some different views here of me as someone who gets marketed to a lot by bid companies boy do I get marketed by two by bid companies and actually bid consultants as well and you as a vendor and how do you stand out so I think it'd be an interesting discussion and um, before we jump into that though we should just mention that as of recording this the APMP has just gone live with their announcement or the APMP UK sorry has just gone live with their announcement on BidX which I think I guess is like TEDx but bidding yes all they've put out as of recording, so this will go out in a fortnight, uh, we're about a, a week ahead now, so this will go out in a fortnight's time. All they've put out so far is a little tease that just says, no webinars, speaker, but it'll be speakers and interactive events, BidX, the digital festival of bidding, which sounds amazing. I have no idea what to expect. Any thoughts? I'm assuming it's along similar lines to the global virtual experience thingy, the global lot are doing. We'll have to see how it pans out. It could be that it's a bit of a series. It could be that it's just within a couple of days. It's not going to be to the autumn. I mean, as an ATO and vendor of the year winner, I've not been engaged right. in it at all. I've not been engaged. NHS And potential sponsor, of course, or and or exhibitor, or whatever. I've not been engaged in it at all yet. But I don't think traditionally these days they do 
because people nick their ideas and stuff, bless them. So it'll be interesting to see what it is and what the opportunities are, I guess. There's there's a lot of it going around, isn't there? Between the, I did see the Australian chapter have a bid X thing that they'd announced or a similar sort of announcement a week ago. Was uh, it called bid X? It is exactly the same, same branding and everything, or it looks and feels oh. the same. Because um, there's a friend of mine, Mark Riley, is part of the Australian chapter and we're talking about doing some work together because he does bid coaching stuff and things similar to me. So I'd noticed it on his feed. And then, of, of course, you've got Chris Carlin, haven't you, with that other virtual conference thingy going on in the autumn. Yes. It's suddenly, bear in mind, we've been a little bit lazy slash far too busy with real work to get in on the sort of digital game. Bear in mind, we had a conference that was meant to be in mid-June that we cancelled, a real half-day conference of our own. Um, it's been interesting to see these things pop up. Yeah, so I think this BidX UK thing will be over a period of time and will be more like kind of, I guess it'll be a, a conference over weeks, a period of weeks maybe, or even a couple of months, rather than like the winning the business virtual experience, which is 32 hours of non-stop bidding, sales pitches, roundtables, workshops, you know, like, well, our question of the day actually so it could be with us it's what we're planning so we'll talk about the question of the day but i mean I, I said to someone today i actually can't get my head around how i'm going to engage with winning business virtual experience because there sounds like there's going to be so much going on mm. it's almost going to give you a year's worth of training material if they make it all on demand and available afterwards you know if you were somebody who wanted to read live and breathe webinars and bid stuff you could be on it for a year there's hours and hours and hours of stuff and obviously because of being global they've got different streams of different time zones as well so it sounds phenomenal and this uk one sounds really good i think the uk board do a good job on the stuff they do the conference i thought was good last year so i've got high hopes i wonder if they won't have sponsors i mean it'd be interesting to see if they can get away with not having sponsors and therefore yeah, make it completely member-led well, I think they'll have to because the conference has traditionally been a big source of income for the chapter and for the association. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite important that these things are successful, actually, I imagine. And it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I mean, you know, I've had calls from people saying that two-day online conferences don't work. People drop off after the first lunchtime and, and all that. And I have to say, even Jules, she's had marketing ones already where she just dips in. It's different to physically being there. So you can just dip into the ones you want to see and then just bin the rest. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. And then with the sort of virtual networking type stuff where people drop into group Zoom type calls and all that kind of thing. You know, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And then for the sponsors too, I think these platforms give you, the, if you're an exhibitor, a virtual exhibitor, as it were, attendees get to sort of press a button and it drops them straight into a Zoom call or a Teams call with you as if you're on a stand, as it were. But I don't know what the human behavior is going to be like. Probably some of the conversation we're going to get onto in terms of the marketing thing is the game's changed a bit from what we can tell from our analytics. It ain't the same. So um, we'll have to see. Yeah, good segue. I think we should jump into it, Jez, and find out and have a discussion on um, on all this in a bit more detail. So should we get into it? Yeah, let's go for it. So the context to the discussion was we were chatting about our events and do we go digital? And Because, you know, for those who haven't listened to past episodes, we had a series of breakfast events in London. And in 2020, we had decided to go to Birmingham and to Manchester and to Glasgow to do events there. and run a 
we say half day, it was going to end up being kind of two thirds of a day conference in London along the same sorts of lines. So it's kind of a mixture of networking panels and speakers. And we'd done really well in terms of selling out tickets, 50, 60 attendees turning up at 7.30, 8 a.m. to get their free coffee, bacon roll. I mean, it was a great venue, but that's all gone. And we were talking about, do we go digital? And one of the things that has stopped me personally was the plethora of free webinars. And now, just as we just talked about in the intro, free conferences or conferences at very low price, I worry people will get webinar fatigue because the quality of some of the stuff can't be that good if you're doing it at that volume. Not saying the ones coming up are, but ones I've done in the past, the quality hasn't always been hasn't been great, particularly when it's kind of vendor-led. They're kind of a bit salesy. So yeah. I guess the question is how do bid vendors stand out and reach their audience? And I guess the starting point for us is perhaps what's worked well in the past that could still work now. So what would you think? I think we probably, in having to deal with our day jobs, with all of the sort of pandemonium that was going on, we probably missed a trick in that one of our big strengths is being fleet of foot and being able to do things very quickly and very well with decent panels and all that sort of stuff. So if we had the headroom to do it, we probably could have got a virtual breakfast event together and had it in April with a great panel of speakers and we'd probably be in a different place about it all because we'd have beaten everyone to the punch. I still think there's probably a place for that sort of thing, but it does have to be different. And our, our differentiator was we've always managed to get really high caliber panelists and speakers and unusual ones that aren't the usual people that you always see at the APMP stuff and other similar things. We were able to think outside the box and it definitely wasn't vendor led. It was our show, we were asking the questions and all of our panellists, whether they were vendor or employed people or procurement people, were briefed specifically, not they weren't allowed to sell their stuff. Yeah. So, so I think there's still something there in that if we wanted to, but you're right, it's we've missed the trick, I think, and because we were busy stabilising our real jobs and, um, you know, there's lots of people out there doing stuff now. So they can be the canaries in the cave for... So what do you think has worked well that, that will still work? I mean, I think webinars still have a place and they have worked well in the past. As you're saying, good quality, really good quality speakers, and they help and inform. And they're genuinely kind of helping and informing as opposed to kind of a sales pitch disguised as a webinar, as a kind of informational webinar. I generally think there are there is a place for them in your marketing mix. I think one thing, though, is that it needs to be expert-led as opposed to maybe sales and marketing-led. If you want to sell to a head of bids who's going to buy your, let's say, your bid platform as a vendor, having a webinar that's relatively low level isn't going to tickle the fancy of the head of bids that you need to be talking to. It's probably going to get the junior bid manager who comes along who, who really enjoys hearing about the top 10 tips for writing a better CV, but it's not that kind of cutting-edge enterprise stuff that your target clients probably want to hear. So I think being really strategic with your webinars topics speakers how you yeah. focus them is really important well it, it'll be interesting to see what sp what strategic pro proposals do in this new world because i've never been a client of theirs and then obviously now i'm a competitor but from what i understand they've put on some great events invite only for senior people and to be honest that's virtual version of that is probably what you're talking about there they have their alumni piece and all of that and it's very clever 
and it's probably taken them some years to craft and get it into a place where it's successful but it's because you know the point in our show notes here was about focusing on your targets and your current clients isn't it and creating that sense of community but with the decision makers so if you're a software vendor or something in in the bidding space It's the same as any business, actually. It's B2B. It's not B2C. You don't need to blast out. It's not about social media and all that stuff, actually. That's just background music. Sometimes you're putting specific thought leadership out through it, but that same thought leadership doesn't just go out through social. It goes through targeted email campaigns and also a business development drive where you're contacting specific targets because your actual target audience, when you're a vendor or a company like me, is actually only it's you know double figures it's not treble or you know it's not in the thousands in terms of my enterprise stuff my targeted campaigns this year i've been creating specific videos to you know 10 specific people at a time yeah personalized videos taking a bit of what was the guy's name was it kevin yeah kevin airs we had on the call we'll put that in the show notes a link back to kevin's but even before we add him on, I've been making specific, you know, 10 at a time, specific videos for 10 very senior execs on how I'd increase their win rate of their business by 20%. And it's, I'll do this, that and the other and gives the job. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So much more personalized because the, the audience is smaller I, than in your mind's eye. I think you said something interesting there, which is focusing on your current clients. And I suppose there's a lot of that broadcast marketing still in the industry either going to conferences just standing there and broadcasting your brand or you know just putting webinars out that you're going to send out and you're right actually having and there's really good organizations like covidian and the like who do their own conference specifically aimed at their users and i think that's a really it'd be interesting to see and we should probably maybe at some point have someone from a big vendor like covidian on here to talk about this sort of thing is how have they kept that community feel when they can't do it physically with their kind of conferences but i think you're right actually in the current time you want to focus on retaining your existing clients and using them to advocate for new so that kind of mix of you might have a group who kind of you get together and eight of them are your clients and two of the, your, your top prospects you've got eight of their peers talking how good they are so the other thing i think there still is a place for in the new normal of marketing versus the old normal is decent research and white research-led white papers mm-hmm. and a turnoff for me is when i go on someone's page you know their kind of library or research area and there are hundreds of the things. And they've blatantly got a marketing team who are taking the same data and pumping out 17 different ways. And like, you know, it doesn't feel personalized or actually doesn't feel like it's got a lot of deep thought and context to it. So I think there's still a place for white papers in the digital age as a tool, but they've got to be good. And again, that probably comes back to having expert-led research and content as opposed to picking a few stats from a few other research things and putting together and making it your own piece of work. Yeah. Well, a piece of the puzzle I was going to talk about that I've forgotten to put in the show notes was proactive proposals, actually, which is sort of, we'll come back to that, but SP had that big campaign about proactive proposals last year, I think, which was quite well done. And we behave in a similar way. So we've got two campaigns going on concurrently at the moment because of COVID has delayed one and brought another one forward. So we've got a campaign going on on the capability development stuff, 55, 25, 20, which is all about how you raise your win rate company-wide through developing in structured social and then on the job learning. But, and then we've got capture as a service as another campaign, but they are run as ca- real campaigns. So we've created a webinar about both that's pre-recorded 
and social media ties people to look back at that. There's blog posts, but there's PR as well. So I've already had an article on capture in the last BQ, which was part of that wider capture piece. I've had an article that was thinly veiled. It was really about 55, 25, 20 in winning the business in the last couple of weeks, which other people have sort of syndicated or commented on or written sort of subsequent articles about. Lots of Americans are really getting into it, which is quite interesting. And that those campaigns will continue for months and there'll be lots of offshoots from the same central piece of research that we've done on both those. Yeah. So it's about, because the thing is, no one ever buys anything off of one touch point anyway. You've probably got seven to nine actual touch points where they see your brand and understand the idea and all that sort of thing before you convert any business. So you, you kind of need them to see the same messaging in lots of different ways. Yeah, I think you're right. So to move us on then, so what do you think maybe has worked in the past that won't work now in the new marketing? I hate this, but I keep saying it, marketing new normal. It's quite timely, this conversation, because I've, I've had a, an hour and a half on the phone today with a, a prospect slash ex-colleague from years ago who was basically doing all of the wrong things. <laughs> and I kind of, they wanted to bring me in on a Morgan Sindel style deal to help them turn it around. But clearly business planning and the rest of it's all over the place. But I had to st- what was meant to be a 10 minute conversation, it had to be an hour and a half just to steer them away from the sort of B2C kind of practices. So they're a fairly small, in the UK, a fairly small consultancy business. They've got a much bigger owner organization overseas that bought them last year. But when you say marketing to them, they think it's make their website look a bit better and pay for some advertising and all of that kind of stuff. And what we're finding, anyone who knows anything about digital marketing at the moment will know that it's a complete mess in terms of the analytics at the moment because the world's completely changed. So we used to know and our systems that, that pump out all of our social media and emails, et cetera, are all automated. They know when the prime time is to drop content out into the world. And there's a difference between the different platforms as well. There's a difference between Facebook, Insta, particularly LinkedIn and Twitter. So we wouldn't post anything on Mondays and Fridays. It would automatically post stuff at 6.20 in the morning on a Tuesday and all that kind of stuff. But at the moment, the system don't know what to do with themselves because people are looking at things that we're getting much more success at weekends than we would have ever done before. So at the moment, until the world starts to calm down and people begin to go back to whatever the, the new normal of work is, God, everyone's saying that, aren't they, that phrase, but it is a thing. The new normal is saying new normal. It is, yeah. In fact, the irony is the pod, podcasts work so you might have noticed, I haven't seen Mace do it, but Arcadis, for starters, and I think Acom as well, have Mace. now podcasts. Mace have got an internal podcast. Have they? So we've always put our events out as a podcast, but it's kind of just a recording of the event. There is now an internal podcast. It's really good. You're not allowed to share outside the business. And they, in, they yeah. interview senior leaders from across the business, kind of business unit direct kind of people and others to talk about different sectors different topics their views on life yeah, yeah it's like an internal comms pretty mega as well so i can imagine that is really good but i don't know whether those kind of podcasts will work in the future because are people going to be on trains listening to them going in and, to, and out to an office who knows well i i thought we would see a drop in listenership during lockdown and actually our average listens per episode has shot up during lockdown so because I personally have stopped listening to podcasts because I listen to podcasts on the 25, 30 minute light railway train 
into central mm. London from the Docklands where I live. But our listener figures have gone up in lockdown. So there's obviously other people who are finding more time to listen to them. Maybe they have them on the background of the house. I don't know. So yeah, I think what think in answer to that topic then what doesn't work is kind of relying on the old rules that probably worked for years in terms of analytics marketing you know user trends all that kind of stuff because everything is completely up in the air and you've got to be a lot more fleet of foot to use that phrase you used earlier to respond i think to be honest to underline it bd is the new marketing i think you've got to get close to your clients and your prospects and make it much more personal, yes. which works for us in B2B. In B, B2C, like my public version of the bid toolkit is basically B2C. That's a different game. And Jules looks after that stuff. But if you're a vendor selling stuff to heads of bids or to end users in businesses, then you're going to have to take quite a focused approach with a sort of peeling the onion, really personalised stuff for the top 10 prospects more tactical stuff for the next hundred or so or whatever it is yeah so i guess we're saying that marketing and sales are probably going to blur more in the new normal because we're kind of crossing over here aren't we from kind of marketing to kind of prospecting and sales tactics and actually they need to be a lot closer aligned and i guess things like not having big hero conferences or milestones in your marketing calendar does mean marketing needs to be more responsive to your sales and prospecting approach rather than marketing kind of being the generator of interest that that sales then pick up and run with. Yeah, we want this in in the new world is the ability to meet in person at big conferences and and that kind of environment. Yeah, but then like old days marketing to a point, the best stuff is the stuff that's valuable. It's got to be genuinely valuable and helpful to the audience who are actually going to buy stuff. And so that's what I was saying to that client earlier today is come up with something that is valuable to the client and use that as your hook through various different means to get the right conversation. And maybe it involves doing a bit of free work or, you know, giving them a free trial or, or whatever it is. But it's why I mentioned proactive proposals early on, because it's part of that. You may need to come up with a proposition to a client they don't know that they need yet and do something quite different on the front foot. If anything, you know, at the moment, one of the things I've learned in my other life, non-exec stuff in the commercial real estate game is that governance levels have dropped through the floor. Boards are making decisions at a much faster pace, quite big decisions than they have ever done before because they've had to. And actually, they've realised they quite like it because they're getting stuff done. Whereas, you know, to halve your office footprint in the previous world would have taken years, if not decades, for large organisations. Whereas now they've got to do stuff because the world's changed. And so if you can put a proposition to a client that gets ahead of some of this and changes the game for them and is valuable, you know, saves them time, money, or helps them retain the best people, that's where it's got to be, isn't it? Mm. In our case, we're more business. But it can't just be a glib general our clients find they win 10% more business. It needs to be quite personalised. Yeah, I think so. So any other thoughts on new marketing or sales strategies that people should be, you know, vendors who listen to this podcast should be focusing on? So I think we we have talked about webinars and I think there are new tools coming where you can make webinars interactive or, you know, so there's the whiteboard tools in Teams. There are platforms like Myra, Myra, Myro, and I think if you can make webinars more interactive to keep the audience, like you were talking about earlier, that people log on to these things and have them on the background, they do something else. I think 
clever interactive webinars would be a really powerful marketing tool because it shows you different as well makes it interesting makes it fun makes it memorable and hopefully gets more interest that passes on to your sales team maybe get engage them in actually solving a problem together so it's more of a workshop so you get your five you know three current clients and two key prospects that aren't in the same sectors and bring them together to solve a problem whether it's about how we attract bright young things into our discipline or whatever it is they're trying to solve that more senior people would be interested in because again that, you know we've always said that's a that's a gap we've had you've put on a dinner before and you know all that kind of stuff that senior engagement do you get them on logged into Miro and actually post it around to solve a bit of a problem properly facilitated workshops that kind of stuff so you're, you're actually solutioning with clients to solve a business problem they've got yeah that's the utopia of capture is actually you get one client on a call or you know a few people from the same client and you workshop through what the solution to their problem is and then sell them it yeah i think you and i could help organizations here jeremy i think we should sell this as a service marketing strategy from bid people to bid vendors because some of the stuff and i'm not going to name names that i've seen the past year has been pretty atrocious yeah and some, big, and some quite big money behind them as well uh or big much bigger business well let's face it i mean we, we sort of joke about the clang 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 but within 18 months i've won vendor of the year at global apmp awards and i'm a business of one <laughs> it's quite funny isn't it yeah it's fucking hilarious and do you know what i bet i'll go and win it again next year as well because i'm going to try really hard and it, it's yeah i don't know what it is it's just having the sort of chutzpah to go and make it happen and a bit of uh, now spoil you and, and helpully my wife owns a marketing agency that knows what they're doing yeah uh, but yeah you're right there's a lot of people who don't get it right um so maybe very happy to talk to people about that why not help clients do all sorts of things i think this could be a new venture for you and i jeremy red review ventures <laughs> red review industries.com or <laughs> but we'll leave it there we've got a question of the day coming up so let's roll straight into that so a question of the day actually has come from a few people who we were on the first list of people presenting at apmp winning business virtual experience and we put a post out saying delighted to be announced as speaker and we'll be saying more of what we're going to be doing in the future we partly put that out because until we knew we were on and actually we still don't know as of recording today what day we're on it was hard to plan <laughs> what we were going to do so it was a bit like we pitched and didn't get on to the uk conference last year as well as this weird thing they thought that us doing a live podcast would break some sort of gdp rule but we don't go back to that we couldn't really describe fully what we we're going to do until we got a point, you know, we got selected, right? Because we, you know, you can't find it. So we can talk about it now a bit more, I think. So what are we doing at Winning the Business Virtual Experience, Jeremy? So pe people might remember the episode. Is it our list, most listened to episode, the Growth Accelerator one? Second most listened to episode now, isn't uh, it? It's up there in the top three, yeah. definitely. So... In effect, I guess it's bringing the power of our podcast and the power of our breakfast event panels into one place. So we're going to do something similar to last time, but on a different subject, basically. So we're going to hold a panel debate, but record it with video and then put it out with through our second season of the Red Review, which will be video as well as audio. Yeah. So I think we might have talked about this a little bit last time, but we're going to use the Winning Business Virtual Experience to launch season two, which is going to be us on video with a different format. And for Winning Business Virtual Experience specifically, our top focus topic for season two or series two, episode one, is going to be on views for procurement. So we've got a senior procurement lead, head of procurement, 
from the NHS, National Health Service in the UK, which I think would be quite timely to talk around her views around procurement and shaping deals in the market. And she works across sectors, so not just pure healthcare, but buying consultancy services, marketing, materials, buildings, you name it, in a national role. And then hopefully the return of Dana, this category management from the episode we did with her a few months ago, Mm. Uh, Dana coming back again because she was a brilliant guest and again to get her views on procurement and what procurement like don't like and what really annoys her as a procurement person so because I hope as a session and the 30 million hours of winning the business that we do something that adds value in terms of actually giving the views of the people we sell to so rather than just being people who sell bidding telling you how to sell bidding or tell you how to do bidding we get people from the other side of the fence telling us how to bid better so We'll be doing that. And I think we'll have two, right, Jez? We, we're toying with having a third, and I think it depends on a third guest, and it depends on timings and the slot we get given. Yeah. We haven't got a slot yet. We might even be pre-recording. So the APMP has got a hell of a lot of work to do on the conference in terms of planning and organising. So we're trying to make keep as flexible as possible for them. But I think it'll be an interesting kickoff to season two, series two. I keep saying season, that's very American, isn't it? Season two of the Red Review yeah, Podcast. Listeners all around the world and launching it an American-led virtual experience. That's well. true. So we'll call it season two. So well, um, it's quite nice as well because you've got those two individuals. You've got a Brit who's public sector facing for procurement and you've got an American who's private sector advertising and all sorts of stuff. So Our Brit, who we won't say the name of because we're going to do an official kind of announcing a panellist kind of thing on LinkedIn, has come back, just come back from three, four years in the Middle East, running procurement in the Middle East. So again, a different view again. So I'd hopefully be really interested to kind of tick MENA, UK and America all in one session. Yeah. It's, do you know what? It's going to come around quick because we're recording this on the 7th. The bloody thing's on the 22nd, 23rd. So it's only two weeks away. Yeah. So if you're listening, APMP, tell us what we've got to, tell us what we've got to do. <laughs> so we're going to have to put this episode out quicker because we, we need to get ahead of it, don't we? I actually think we might have caught up I need to check. I think we might have caught, this one might be going out on Saturday. So we're recording on Tuesday. This one again. I need to check. I think we have. We'd, we'd got behind, but I think we've caught back up. Yeah. So to answer the question, that's what we're doing. Panel event, two procurement people, views of procurement. They'll face quick fire questions. They'll face heaven and hell from a procurement perspective. And it should be good fun. Yeah. And then we'll have to see with the UK virtual thingy, VDX, we'll have to see if we can talk them into letting us be their podcast or official podcast or doing something similar something or something different again. I have to ask the question, I guess. It'd be quite fun to do something. We're going off the top now, are we? Quite fun to do something where we do something, if it's going to be over a period of weeks or months, as like almost the VDX news. We'll get the uh, different members of the board on to talk about what's coming up, what have they enjoyed so far, and maybe even some APMP members who don't join stuff to give their feedback. I know a couple of the board listen to the podcast because I get told off we don't speak highly of the APMP. We normally do, but we can fit sometimes. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening, board members, we're very happy to support BidX. But yeah, excited for winning business, nonetheless. Uh, winning a business virtual experience. So we've reached the end of another podcast, Jeremy. Yeah, we there. Great episode. I enjoyed that chat, actually. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when we talk marketing, we naturally move into talking about capture or sales and then capture. And I guess that is where I think things need to go is those two organiz- those two functions are a lot closer aligned in all businesses. Yes. 
stifle it. You would agree. And we can talk about the concept of a work-winning PMO another time, perhaps, but a beautifully aligned machine. Yeah. So what have you got coming up in the next week then? So bits and pieces of work with clients still going on, but really I need to secure a new retained client of which there's a few irons in the fire, but you know, clearly everyone's struggling with business planning and budgets and which way's up at the moment. So I think it could be a quiet summer with that. So I'm, I'm doing a bit of bid work. I've got some clients who want to talk to me about different things. Clearly there's this projected uptick in bidding towards Q4. I'm hoping that people want to be sensible and engage in some accelerated capture as we talked about, or accelerated pursuits, sorry, because we've launched our capture as a service proposition for longer term stuff, but also those accelerated pursuits where I come in and do something a bit shorter and sharper for a grand or 999 quid but you know we'll just have to at see at least it's not 997 so i don't know you probably won't have seen it when you after this google chat called mike Winnett youtube he does something called the contrepreneur and he kind of does exposés and kind of tongue-in-cheek exposés on like you know tony robbins or those kind of people who are like you want to be a property millionaire keep watching this link now don't watch the youtube you're about to watch and i'll tell you how you can be a pro- as they're standing behind like a house they blatantly rented for a day on, yeah. you know a mansion on airbnb and they're going to try and sell you their course and they always sell their course for 9997 or 1997 or 997 pounds or it's apparently 97 is the magic number so oh, is it? yeah Maybe I should take a couple of quid off. Take the piss because there's no real science to it. It's just become kind of one of those industry, almost like an industry trope that everyone kind of believes. There's no real science to it. It's just everyone else says their, their course is reduced now to 997 or $19 is the other one. If you start looking, you'll see all these people who are like, my course on how to become a, I don't know, Amazon, fulfilled by Amazon seller, normally sells for £7,000. It's now available for $19 for the next day if you click here. It's all that kind of bullshit, basically. And pressure sell so as an ethical sales and marketing person to, it's really interesting to watch some of the absolute shit people do to pressure sell people who are not ready to buy products to buy products yes well i've got a client actually who's getting dragged into some of that who's quite independently wealthy who's getting dragged into some of that property stuff having to fend it off getting to watch mike win it <laughs> I'm very, very careful here because they're all quite sharp and we'll never get back to them, but I wouldn't want to ever mention any of the vendors' names because I imagine they're all quite sharp on people talking badly about them. But anyways, I've got to say, I've got a pretty big kickoff this week and kind of early kind of storyboarding. We've done a load of prep work and prep some questions on the hope they were going to come out and 50% of them have come and 50% haven't. And there you go, look at that timing. Just I'm saying that and a WhatsApp message has popped up from the bid manager saying, there's quite a lot to do on this bid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm the I'm the bid director for a, a JV that we've got. So that's going to be my my life the next six weeks. And they've had a consultant helping them write the tender documents. So it's, they've made it the most complicated. There aren't any questions. Public sector tender. There aren't actually any questions in the bid. They've just given you what they'd like to see, what they'd like to achieve. Sorry for the contract and then said just you know give us a method that achieves what we want to achieve rather than you know this is what we want to see how you'd approach x y or z they're just like so it's going to be an interesting one to write because there's no questions and there's sickly pages to write plus cvs plus case studies plus sq it's a monster pleasant i think there's going to be uh, the rest of the year many of those sorts of bids will pop up i think for lots of people keep yourself trouble yeah On that, Jez, we'll say goodbye. Thank you very much, mate. See you next time. Catch you soon. Bye-bye.